You can take your seats. If you were here last Sunday, you would have heard a great message from Martina. She ended off with a, a lengthy quote from Craig Rochelle that I thought was really, really uh, challenging and stimulating. And I want, to, I want to kind of pick up where she left off and just go back to a few of the phrases that she read for us. It is on you version if you want to go back to it uh, later on tonight, although you, you would need to save it probably before you leave here this evening if you want to go back to those notes. But it'll be on the screen as well. Just a couple of parts from that particular quote. I love where he says that it's because eternity matters. It's because eternity matters. You will run hard giving him your all today. No regrets, no excuses, holding nothing back. By his power, you will leave no words unsaid, no deeds undone, no hope unshared. That's, that's living a life on purpose, by the way. Your life is too valuable, your calling too great, and your God too good to waste your life on things that don't last. Let's invest our lives in things that are going to last. Because your life is not your own, by the way, regardless of what the world and and everything to do with media tells you. It's not your own. You've been bought at a price. And because heaven is not, sorry, and because earth is not your home, you will live for the glory of God and not the applause of men. I love that phrase, that earth is not our home. It is amazing how much energy and, and thought and time and money we put into making earth our home. It's amazing how much of, 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 of our resources we will put into trying to make this our ultimate priority. If we, if we can just be as comfortable as possible, just feed, feed all the appetites I want to, get everything I can out of life, suck the marrow out of life, as Robin Williams said in Dead Bow Society. Great movie, great line, but maybe not that accurate. If, if I told you, and some of you may know that one of the very selfish, completely carnal, fleshly, superficial items on my bucket list, if God would say, Jason, just for, a, just for a while, you can have what you want for like a moment, for a month, then probably one of the things on the top of my bucket list would be going to Hawaii. There are a lot of reasons why, but I'd love to go to Hawaii. Imagine if I told you that, that I got a phone call this weekend and that we won an all-expenses-paid trip as a family to go to Hawaii, not like one of these dinky trips for like a week. Like, what are you doing a week? Okay, weeks like we just begin. No, no, for a month, all right? I've won, we've won a trip for the whole family for a month, Flights, food, accommodation, everything included. There's a little, like a little helicopter trip around the islands, some scuba diving, learning to surf, uh, going for some great hikes in, in some of the beautiful for mountains. Um, once you got over being jealous, would you be kind of happy for me? Yeah. Right? Thanks, thanks to the seven of you, they'd be happy. The rest of you, may God forgive you. Um, like there'd be something about that that would be like, I mean, I'm jealous, but that's nice. Like that's kind of nice, right? I wonder if you'd feel the same way. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming not. If I told you that I've been diagnosed with a terminal illness and I've got a month to live, and then, like, I'm done. And I get it that for the most part, we'd be thinking about those left behind, family members, you know, people that, that, that I'm close to, etc. And that's appropriate. That's, that's right. That's real. There's, there's a grieving. There's a loss. Do we have any idea that me passing on to eternity is a million, million, million times better than spending a month in Hawaii? 
And I just want to point out for a moment that it's amazing how subtly, how easily we can make Christianity about ourselves. About God making my life a bit better, blessing my agenda, making it just a little bit more comfortable, answering my... It's kind of like, I haven't gone to see Aladdin yet, but it's kind of like the genie in the bottle. You know? Like, okay, if I, if, if I rub the Bible a few times, then maybe, you know, I can get what I want. No. And we can make life about this life, and this life is not the life. This is the, this is the probation before the real deal. This is the, this is the on-ramp to, to the real thing. This is a drop in the ocean. We need to fight the gravitational pull that drags us down to what's in front of us all the time. And where we keep creating space to allow God to lift our eyes to actually seeing quite a bit further. It's amazing how our pain even gets put into perspective when we can see further. It's amazing how discouragement, how hopelessness, how, how persecution even can be put into perspective when we, when, when we just look a bit further. Jesus addressed this in quite a well-known passage in what he's called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And he says in verse 19, don't store up treasures here on earth. Treasures could be money, uh, our creativity, our, our, our energy. Our, I mean, I would probably argue that time is probably more important even than money. You know, what do we choose to do with our time? Who we choose to invest in? Don't store up treasures here on earth. Where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. He's like, he's like, do things now that will last for eternity. Do things now that will have a ripple effect for eternity. And by the way, can I just say very quickly, if you, can you put your hand up if you're between the ages of 14 and 18, roughly? Just 14 to 18. In fact, probably even 19. Put them up high. Let me shy. Come on. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Okay. Thank you. You can put them down. There's a, there's, I think that there's a very good chance. So, so you're what is called Generation Z or Z. You are arguably, in my opinion, probably in the history of the world, the most socially minded generation of your age group. In fact, some, some researchers even argue that you're more socially minded at this age and, and, and more willing to risk and even, and even try entrepreneurial things to make a difference in a social justice context than, than even what millennials are. So, 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 so people that are actually older than you still right now are actually, in some cases, you, you have more, more courage, more willingness, more boldness. There's, there's more of a desperation to make your life count already, I think, than at any other stage in the history of the world. And I think that that's from God. There's something from God that, 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 that makes you want your life to count. But I want to encourage you to, to channel that correctly where it's done for the right reason and where it's done with eternity in mind. Not just to make yourself look good or to, or to get onto you know, the, the news site. It's great. It's great that you know, where, where publicity is involved. If, it's, if it helps, wonderful. But, but let it be out of obedience and because this is really going to last for eternity. Wherever your treasure is, Jesus went on to say. So wherever you're going to put all your effort and your energy, that's where your heart will also be. And some of you have... have maybe been mountain biking before, if you're coming down a single track, which means it's very narrow, and you're coming down a mountain and you're going pretty fast, if you, if you, if you hear a noise behind you, and everything in you, your instinct wants to turn around to actually see if your buddy's still alive. But if you turn around, I don't know if you can see what happens with my hands, if you turn around, you, you are almost guaranteed, unless you are so conscious about it, especially if you're flying down a single track, you, you cannot, where, wherever your head goes, your hands are going to go. And that's what we do with life. Whatever 
Whatever, whatever, we, whatever we're giving our thought to, whatever we're giving our energy to, whatever, whatever we're spending our money on. Now, that's not to say that you can't spend money on food and accommodation and, and clothes. That's okay. We're not talking about that. We're talking, about, we're talking especially about disposable money, time, and energy. But, but even then, what we think is essential may need to be reevaluated as well. The only treasure in heaven is people. You don't get to take anything material with you. So, so that's why a church building can never be your treasure. It, if, if, it's not, if it's not, I'm saying as a church, our building's not the treasure. It's, it's, it's only a treasure if it's helping build people up for eternity. This is, this is going to be like, like vapor. This stuff means nothing to God unless it's being used for his purposes. Your house, it can be crap. It can be good. It doesn't matter. It's what, it's what, you, it's what you do with it. It's, it's how you use it. Your job doesn't have to be attractive or significant, but it's what you do with it. If you're still studying, that, by the way, if you're at school, you don't have to pray about it. You need to be at school. Okay? That's where you need to be diligent. That's where you need to invest. And anyway, it's ultimately about people. I'm not going to get into the whole passage now. Our new version will have the 1 Corinthians 15 passage. But, but Paul is basically saying, guys, if it's not for eternity, why? Like, why? <laughs> why would I put up with all this junk? Why would I let people beat me up and, and persecute me? And, and why? Why would I be adrift at sea, you know, shipwrecked more than once? Why would I be stoned, not the good type, stoned and left for dead and, and beaten and whipped and imprisoned, cold, hungry? He, he says, I face death daily. He says, he goes on to say, if it's not for eternity, then just basically saying, eat, drink, and be merry. He's like, well, then just party. You know, if, 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 there's, no, if there's no eternity, then just, then just make the most of this life. I wonder, and I'm talking to Christians this evening, if you're exploring Christianity, please, we want this to be a safe place. Like, you don't have to worry, like, this isn't relevant to you, just relax. This is, this is so you know if you sign up that this is what's involved. But, but I'm talking to Christians. He's saying, no, no. If we believe that eternity is real, he's like, that changes everything. Everything. And you know, you know what's scary for me? And I'm, and I'm only speaking in a Western context. There, there, there are plenty of other contexts around the world where this isn't true, but in a Western context, and I consider us to be a Western context, I don't know, I'm curious as to how many of us, as Christians, really live as though eternity is real, and if there's any difference between our values, our priorities, to a person who doesn't believe in Jesus, and who doesn't believe that eternity is real. Can I say that again? I think we need to ask ourselves from time to time, is there any difference between, between where, where my heart is, where my hope is, what I'm willing to spend my disposable time and energy and money on? Is there any difference between me and someone who, who absolutely believes this is, this is all there is to life, this is, there is no eternity, and they don't believe in Jesus? And if there's no difference... I don't know. I think we may have to evaluate whether or not we're in a relationship with God. I say that because it's not just about what you believe. Satan believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 
He doesn't get points for that. But he can't have a relationship with him. He can't follow him. He can't, he can't surrender his life to him and, and get to live the adventure that I believe that God has called us to. Paul is quoted again in the book of Acts as saying to some people that love him and, and are trying to, like they're worried about his safety because they know that wherever he goes, he just gets arrested and beaten up. He's like, Paul, don't you want to change something? Come on, wouldn't you be like that? If, you're, if your friend, keep, wherever they go, they keep getting, like, I don't know about you. I'd be like, Ivan, I love you. Please can I just take you away for a while? Can we just keep you safe? Just for like a little, like I'm feeling sad for how, come on, am I the only person? Right? So his friends are like, Paul, like, like just, just take a break. In Acts 20 verse 22, he says, And now I am bound by the Spirit of God to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, look at this, except that. The Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. It's like, okay, Paul, are you sane? He's like, no, no, I know. I know it's going to be tough. But, verse 24, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. He's like, guys, I don't know what to say to you. God has given me an assignment. I believe in eternity. If I didn't believe in eternity, then let's party. Let's suck the marrow out of life. But he's like, I've, I've got this problem. I really believe in eternity. And my life isn't worth anything to me unless I'm using it to finish the work assigned to me. Francis Chan puts it this way, the only sane response to God's love is wholehearted devotion to Jesus. The crazy people in this world are those who experience God's love and remain complacent, not those who let go of all they have and follow him completely. Now, here's the challenge. I believe all that, right? I mean, I really do. I really, 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 really do believe it. But I am shocked at how often I forget that. I am, I am frustrated by how often I get distracted from the reality of eternity. And I'm a pastor, right? Like I should, like you'd think, Jason, isn't that what you do all day every day when you're not playing golf? Which I don't play. You know, I'm just, no, no, I'm saying I get distracted all the time. And for me, it's things like media, materialism, and just living at a manic pace. Hey, some of the things that distract you, the slide will be up in a second. Some of the things that can distract us. Guys, we, 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 we've never been more bombarded with information. And it, like it's attractive. People go to university and college. They pay big money to learn how to get you to do and to make you want what you don't need. You know, like, like, like it's, a, it's, a, it's meant to be enticing. And so it can distract us. It can just keep us focused on on, but that's going to be really cool, and that's going to be really fun, and that's going to taste even better, and that's going to look even better. Like, I, I mean, I was joking with some guys. Well, I'm not joking. I was talking with some guys this morning. I'm, I'm seeing, like, moon bags are even back now, you know? Like, some of you are old enough to remember when moon bags were okay. Like, they were never great, but they were okay. Now they're cool again. I'm like, okay. Yeah, we knew them as fanny packs. Hey? It's a, guys. We have to, like, like we're on this treadmill of, of, of the next fashion, the next, the next series. And, and I'm not dissing any of that stuff. I'm just saying, 
be careful. Whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. And if we're going to just keep feeding that side of us, well, of course I'm not going to be living for eternity. How do we strengthen our conviction about eternity? I mean, I, I, don't know, I, I wish I could unpack all these, but guys, it's simplicity, solitude, slowing, serving. Simplicity is not, is not some new Eastern thought. It's biblical. We live overcomplicated lives, overcluttered lives, and then we wonder why our hearts are just totally consumed with stuff. No, no, no. We need to actually trim a lot of stuff. We need to, yeah, we need to live quite a bit more simply in so many cases. Solitude, again, as I prayed at the beginning, I can give you information, and this is, and it's true. I mean, I can show you in the Bible over and over and over again this reality of eternity. But I'm telling you, unless we slow down and spend time alone with God and where we allow Him to encourage us and remind us, there there is something that happens in solitude alone with God that just nothing else can compensate for. Slowing down for healthy rhythms and actually serving. I I was mentioning to someone earlier, over the last 24 years, Serving for, for the last 24 years, serving has been one of the biggest keys to being forced to having to grow, learn, take responsibility. Um, and, and, and even when you start losing your why, it, it, it forces you to come back to God. Like, please remind me, help me. I'm getting into just autopilot. I need to be reminded of why this matters. Hebrews 12. Verse 1 addresses this very thing and says, Because we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, like everything. I had a couple of friends running the comrades today. Trust me, they weren't running in weird, uh, fashionable, baggies. Like, they were as light as possible. Probably, you probably don't, probably, probably don't even have a ring, watch. Like, like, what feels okay for 5Ks or 10Ks, doesn't feel the same after 60Ks, after 70Ks, after 80Ks. Your watch starts to feel like a brick after a while. If you're going to run a marathon, which is what you're called to, by the way, unless God has planned for you to die very young, no one's living in a sprint. We're running a marathon. And so, and so some of us get tired, and then we get mad at God because we're carrying stuff that He never told us to carry. And in fact, what's, what, what's even worse than that is we, we become victims and we feel like this is unfair. And we shake a fist at heaven. And God's like, guys, I, I encourage you to, to strip off that stuff like three years ago. Like, I'm sorry that you're tired, but it's not my fault. Strip off every weight that slows us down. Oh, oh, especially, by the way, the sin that so easily trips us up. So, so it's not saying that the weight is sin. It's like, strip off the weight. Oh, and the sin. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I cannot encourage you enough. I cannot challenge you enough that the only way to live out God's purpose in your life, the only way to live with eternity in mind is to live with endurance. It's not a sprint. It's, there are going to be seasons where the honeymoon phase is gone, where the goosebumps are gone, where, where, where no matter how good the music is, it doesn't pump you up. There are going to be times where you're going to have to, like, huck fuss, dig deep, grit your teeth. Put your head into the storm. And, and, and maybe you can't even see in front of you, but you're just, you're just trying to just etch ahead. Guys, that's life. Don't think God's abandoned you. That's part of the marathon. We are called to run 
with endurance. I am thoroughly convinced. I mean this. I'm saying this before the Lord. I am honestly, honestly convinced. When I look at the people in our church, just, and I mean, we, we're, we're one drop in the ocean in God's big sea church of the world. But if I just look at the people in our church that serve from the traffic team to the cafe, the connect area, the kitchen, our kids, our teens, our production guys. Can we thank the guys behind the computers and the sound desk for a moment real quickly? Often forgotten about. But we have, we have people that help with family hosting and, and social justice projects like Isdema and Finishing Strong and, and Life Group Hosting and just all kinds of stuff. We have about 250 people at the moment that are serving. I am convinced that every single little part if done for the right reason. You see, and this is the scary part. You can do so much, but if it's the wrong reason, you're not building up treasures in heaven. But the tiniest thing, in fact, the Bible even says, if you even give a cup of water to someone, in the name of Jesus. Like, if, you, if you're doing even the tiniest thing, and that's why it takes faith to do something that to others looks very mundane, but to the angels, they're like, they're slow clapping. They're like, look at that heart. Look at that guy that's, that's, he's prepared. Like, no one even knows that he's prepared because he just looks the same as everyone else. But that person's prepared for his small group in kids' church. That guy, that guy, you know, for other people, it's not a problem waking up early for holiday hangs. But, but, but for that young lady, for that guy, to wake up that early is like, is like giving up a kidney. I mean, it's just such a big deal. And they're willing to do it. And they're like. And you're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses that are like, look at that. Look at what they're doing. Look at those guys. I know, I know they could get an extra little, you know, they can get an extra couple of hours sleep during the holiday hangs, but instead they, they, they actually have a vision of eternity for kids' lives. They're so grateful that a previous generation had a heart for their generation, and now they want to have a heart for the next generation, and they're like, wouldn't you like to see the angels do a slow clap? Hey? And some of the heroes of faith? Guys, please. Please, please get over the need to be approved and applauded on social media or other people. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. He knows what you're doing. And I'm telling you, He is thrilled anytime you're doing something because you have a revelation of how much God loves you, how much people matter, and that eternity is real. Guys, we have to live. We have to live for more than what's immediately in front of us. And yes, 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 that means that there are times where we have to be uncomfortable. There are going to be times, not permanently, but there are going to be times where we have to sacrifice. And yes, guys, if it means that you have to lose a bit of sleep, well, just go to bed earlier the night before. But if it means that you need to lose a bit of sleep, to invest in the next generation, seriously, I, I'm standing here. I, I'm so grateful that there were people before me that cared enough about the people that were going to come after them. I, I'm here because a generation that you'll never meet paid a ridiculously high price. Again, I want you to come to our team night with Pastor Darwin could see. I'm telling you that man has paid a price. I'm standing here largely because of what he did before any of you were around. He paid a price. His family paid a price. But, but I'm telling you that man has lived. I've known him since I was 10. He has lived with a, with, a, with a burden, a conviction about eternity. And, and, and it hasn't been comfortable. He's paid a price. I'm so grateful that we have men and women that have paid a price. Why wouldn't we want to be those men and women, boys and girls, for the next generation, for, for people that are not yet in a relationship with God? Why wouldn't we want to live with eternity in mind? Everything else surely is boring and mundane in comparison. What? 
can make money, that's great, but only if it's with purpose. You can get to enjoy great experiences around the world. It's amazing, but, but only if that's refreshing you so that you can live on purpose. Live with eternity in mind. It is a privilege. It is a privilege. We've got that sign up on that back wall to remind us of what is true. It is a privilege to serve his church. That's not, it's not a duty. That's a privilege. Are you kidding me? If I think of what Jesus has done for me, it is a privilege. And the crazy thing is that we actually get to enjoy so much of it. Like, you're not going to enjoy all of it, but, and we don't need to enjoy any of it. He would still be worthy of our full obedience, of, of whatever sacrifice he calls us to. But, but oh my head, by the way, he get, he, like, you actually get to enjoy so much of the adventure. Anyway, why, why wouldn't we? <laughs> like, why wouldn't we want to serve God? I think, it's, I, think, I think the only answer is because we get distracted. And we, and we get lulled, just like, just like Satan said to Eve in the garden, like, did God really mean that? And, and they were faced with a choice between two roads. You and I are faced with a choice between two roads pretty much every day of our lives. Where, where there's this whisper of, did, did God really mean, like, do you really have to live for his purposes? I'm sure you can just enjoy everything else. I'm sure it doesn't make that much of a difference. Here are a few cautions in case you have my personality and stuff like this works you up and you want to go overboard. Here's, here are a few cautions to you quickly so that you don't blame me afterwards. Okay, number one, don't sell or give everything away tomorrow. Okay, you're allowed to own stuff and enjoy stuff within, you know, perspective. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you feel like you're married to someone that's, that's holding you back. Don't go get divorced. Okay, there's no later loser to, to if you're married... That's, that's not okay. You may, in your own mind, have to do that with some friendships. But you don't get to do that with your marriage. Please don't go into work or school tomorrow and quit. Don't like, tell your teachers, like, I'm out of here. I'm living for eternity. I'm going to go and make a difference somewhere. Don't quit your job. You probably need it. Okay? And can I, can I encourage you? I think that 99% of Christians need to work. I mean, like, work for a paycheck where... Where you're putting food on the table, you're sustaining your family, you're able to get... Guys, God's answer to the world are Christians that are working. For 99%, of your mission field is where you work and where you study. Why would we want to remove Christians from those environments? Please, whatever you do, don't be one of those people that goes into work or school tomorrow and threaten people with heaven and hell. Okay? That's weird. We're not asking you to do that. We need to live with that awareness. Don't go and tell people that. You might lose some friends in a hurry. And then as I've mentioned before, beware of your priorities look exactly the same as someone that does not follow Jesus and does not believe in eternity. In other words, if, you've, if your life has become normalized, then my challenge to you is even tonight, even before you go to sleep, you might need to find some time and sit down with God. And, and for, oh, even just now, we might even give an opportunity. You, like, I would encourage you to repent. To repent means to turn. That's all it is. It's just to turn. And it's to change direction. 
Here are a few suggestions. Number one, obviously, is to pray. And I mean that. I mean, it sounds like such a cliche, but seriously, again, we need solitude. We need to ask God for a fresh revelation of his kingdom. Secondly, take stock. Just evaluate how you spend your money, your energy, your creativity, your time. Next is to simply start. Like, just start. Just start. If you didn't get to growth track today and you haven't done growth track yet, then in two weeks' time, go to growth track. That's an easy place to start. Just start somewhere, anywhere. We encourage you to start small. So you don't have to necessarily like, like bite off this massive thing if you've never done anything before. And I really want to encourage you to start where you are. Again, it's your family, it's your community, it's your workplace, it's your school. You don't have to go overseas to be a missionary. Yeah. You don't have to go overseas to, I mean, if God calls you to, yes. But, but again, for 99% of us, it's going to be at university, at school, at work, in your family. For those of you that have already been on this road for a while, I would encourage you from time to time to simply ask God, what's next? Yeah. What's next? And then, I think this is just wisdom, I would strongly encourage you to bounce bigger ideas off of life-giving Christians. Like, if you're going to go into something massive and you're risking the farm, then, then just, that means, like, if you're risking everything, right? Just, just find some people that, that have got experience in, in giving their lives to God, in investing into kingdom projects and trying stuff. Um, and I'm saying life-giving Christians because I don't think that just any Christian will do. I think there are a lot of Christians that are very normal. Um, if you're wanting some healthy perspective, then try and chat to people that have got a burden. They've shown evidence of trying to honor God with their lives. And they've failed, but they've learned from it, and they've gotten further, and they've made mistakes, and they've learned from it, and they've continued to move on. I'd love for you just to pay attention to the screens for two minutes. This is, this is just a short uh, sort of graphic that, that was created around a snippet from Fran- one of Francis Chan's sermons, Many years ago, um, I think I've read every one of his books. This guy challenges me like you cannot believe. Uh, I don't know that I agree with every single application, but there are very few principles that I can argue with. Like he's one of those, in fact, I think he's a prophetic voice to our generation, if I'm honest. I, f- I feel like he's one of those Old Testament prophets that just keeps clapping you, but, in a, but, but with love, you know. Um, your temptation might be to push back. I want, I want you just to pay attention for the next two minutes and then we're going to bring things to a close. Imagine this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on Earth. You've got a few short years here on Earth and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, I'm going to get to travel. Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about all this stuff? It's, just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. 
And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face Him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. There's people look at some of my decisions and go, Oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, No, you're stupid because that's going to affect all of this. Man... I, I, I'm serious. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going to do that right now. Just enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb. sobering and by the way I mean over the last at least yeah, I guess nine ten years that I've been aware of of his writing and his journey I've got to see someone has lived it out I mean he's written bestsellers and and landed up giving pretty much almost everything away uh, there is there is such I, I can't think of another person that I know that seems to live with with a stronger um, yeah just conviction burden of of making making this life count. Even, even their book on marriage uh, called You and Me Forever is, starts off with eternity. You know, how are we preparing each other for eternity? Like even there, it's just everything comes back to pleasing God, loving God, being in awe of God. See, here's the challenge. One day, one day, every single one of us are going to stand before God. The Bible tells us in Revelations in particular that, that we're going to stand before something called the white throne judgment and we're going to have to answer two questions. Two very important questions, but they are slightly different. The first one is, what did you do with my son? So the first question that you're going to answer every single person, doesn't matter what you believe or agree with, but every single person one day is going to answer the question, what did you do with Jesus? And that's a salvation question. That The answer to that question determines, whether, it determines where you spend eternity, basically. And again, eternity is real, everybody. And the correct answer isn't, well, I used to go to that church every now and then. They were very happy, very clappy, and every now and then they gave a really challenging sermon. No, no, that, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you agree with stuff or believe stuff. No, no, it's, have I accepted Jesus as, as the only way to salvation? He paid the price for my sin. I said yes. I said thank you. And I chose to follow him. That's, that's the only appropriate response to Jesus. And secondly, for those that you know remain, so those that have chosen Jesus, then, then God's going to ask, what did you do with your life? So two questions. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with your life? And I can't encourage you enough. You're going to want to, you're going to, want to know that you did something with what He gave you. You don't have to compare it to anybody else. That's, that's, that's basically the bottom line of the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. Again, it's one of the stories that Jesus tells. He talks about how a master gave, gave, gave a certain you know, amount of wealth to one person, a different amount of wealth to someone else, and then an even smaller amount to someone else. 
and the, and, and the master, which represents God, didn't evaluate whether or not they produced the same, but, but it was their effort. It was their stewardship. What did you do with the gifts God gave you? What did you do with the personality God gave you? What did you do with the education, with the privilege, or with the challenges? What did you do with that? And, and the first two uh, stewards or, or workers are, are celebrated. They, they didn't produce the same quantity in the end, but they, but they produced the same effort. And the father is like, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the third servant basically says, well, I was a bit afraid. So I just buried what you gave me. But yeah, 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 yeah. You can have it back. And the master is furious. I mean, I don't like reading that part, to be honest. I'd loud to you. I mean, I read it, but I don't like reading that part to people. And he's furious. And he, and he asks him why he didn't at least try. Why, why did he waste the opportunity? And in the end, he lands up giving that to, to the one that was faithful and tells, the, tells his workers to, to remove that servant and to throw him out into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's why I don't like reading that part. But it challenges me that that third servant, the big issue was that he wasn't willing to risk. He wasn't willing to try and do something with what God gave him. So that's my encouragement to you. We want to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and try and make a difference. My challenge to you is if we believe that eternity is real, and that God loves us, and that people matter, then we're going to do our best. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to be willing to fail. We're going to be willing to risk. The third servant wasn't willing to risk. We're going to be willing to risk because it's worth it. Agreed? Can I get you to stand with me? I want to read one last quote to you. And again, if you've done growth track, this is kind of what we end the three-week course off with. And, you know, we can't call it our, our dream team declaration. But honestly, I think this should just be the average Christian declaration. And again, we've got this on version. I'll, I'll also send out um, graphics on WhatsApp to all of our leaders that can send it to, to all of their life group members and volunteers. If you want to get this stuff, just talk to someone who looks like they may be serving or connected somehow. Let them get your number from you and they can forward it to you as well. But I want you to listen to this carefully. And maybe, and maybe you can even, maybe even in your own mind, you can almost let this be a prayer and let this be a declaration. Because God has called me to serve my generation, I will value worship over wealth. We over me. Character over comfort. Service over status. And God's purposes over possessions, positions, popularity, and even pleasure. To my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I say, however, whenever, Wherever and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is yes. Doesn't that sound like a follower? Wherever you lead and whatever the cost, I'm ready anytime, anywhere. I want to be used by you in such a way that on that final day, I'll hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and let the eternal party begin. Doesn't that sound like an amazing life to live? Doesn't that sound like an adventure worth pursuing?